But we are continuing our series, The Key to a Happy Life. There really is a key. It's not a quick fix, and it's not the key to a trouble-free life. We'll tell you something. We live in a fallen world. How did that happen? Adam and Eve made a foolish choice to disobey God. Now, I just want to pause here for a second and ask you, did God love Adam and Eve? Yes. yes. He walked and talked with them in the cool of the day in the garden. He loved them. But when they made this horrible, foolish choice, it brought such a curse, heartache, sickness, turmoil, struggle, and we still live in that fallen world. I want you to understand there is a consequence when we make foolish choices. It's so important that we choose right. I'm so glad we have a Redeemer, a Savior who rescues us from the sinful human condition. But I tell you, in this world, we can't escape all the trouble of this world. And yet there is a key to a happy life. Proverbs 3.13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. Verse 17 and 18. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy, happy are all who retain her. Wisdom is the key. Everybody wants to be happy, but there's a whole lot of miserable people. They're in miserable circumstances. But listen, too often it is the result of choices that they have made. It's not just luck or fate or misfortune. No, it is the result of the choices that they made that determined so much of the outcome and where they are in life. I want to say this very clearly. You see... Sometimes we kind of get an error when we don't clarify. And so I want to clarify. Listen, we all go through hardship and heartache in this life. There are tests and trials. James says there is a trying of your faith. And when you fall or you go into all, ty- all kinds of testing and trials, he says, count it all joy. And yes, you see, even through the trials and the tests, the hardships of life, we still have joy. But there are a lot of people that are experiencing a lot of trouble and heartache. You see, they're experiencing um, extra trouble that they didn't have to. It wasn't part of the plan and the purpose of God. It was the result of their own decisions. Wisdom is the key because we can choose wisely and it will save us a lot of trouble and it will set us up for happy. We all make mistakes. We all need God's mercy and grace. And as believers in Jesus, I mean, we all come to Jesus on that basis, knowing that we need a Savior because we're not perfect. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. And so we need a Savior. We need forgiveness. And every one of us, see, we got to come to that place where we 
know that we desperately need God's grace and God's forgiveness in our life, that He would not treat us as our sins deserve. So I'm not talking about us being perfect or us being above making a mistake. No, God is gracious to us and He is merciful to us. In fact, I want you to understand that there's this danger when we're talking about wisdom and learning to be wise and making wise choices and how that we then reap the benefits of that. There's this danger of us falling into pride. It's kind of a religious pride. You know, it kind of goes along with the, the man, that, the Pharisee that Jesus talked about where he said, he prays thus with himself, I thank thee God that I am not as other men. And as a Christian, as a believer, we should never get to the place where we think that we're better than other people. But for the grace of God, if we're anything at all, it is just by the grace of God. If we've made some right choices, it's just by the grace of God. We need to understand this is not a prideful thing. In fact, pride will keep you from wisdom. God resists the proud. In fact, pride will bring harm and destruction in your life. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so, as we serve the Lord, and we make some wise choices, and our life is heading in a good direction, we got to be careful that we don't ever allow pride to begin to creep in, but always stay humble before God. Because listen, when you're prideful, you can't receive wisdom from God. He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And if we're humble, then the Lord will help us to choose wisely. Life is like a journey. To a great degree, where we end up in life is determined by the choices that we make. You know, when you go on a trip, if you want to get somewhere in particular, I mean, I don't know. I've heard about people sometimes, some people just head out. They don't even know where they're going. They just head out. I don't even know what that could be like, but... If you want to get to a particular destination, I want to tell you, you've got to have a plan. You're going to have to make the right choices. I mean, you may just be doing what Google says, but you're going to have to choose to go the right way. By the way, Google will take you the wrong way sometimes, just saying. Anybody been there? But you're going to have to make the right choices to get to that destination. And so it is in life. You want to get to a good place in life? I want to tell you, you're going to have to make the right choices to get to that place. You know, sometimes we make some wrong turns in life and I want to encourage you this morning, by the grace of God, we can do a U-turn and God will help us get back on track onto that path to life. We've got to choose wisely. The choices you make will, deter- will determine if you end up in a place of pleasantness and peace and happy. Now, most of us, we have no control over the first few years of our life. I mean, you didn't pick where you were born or who you were born to. And in those first few years of life, you know, you, it's, you don't have any control or say so over your environment around you. But somewhere along the way, and for sure by the time you're a teenager, you're making choices and decisions. And sometimes as a teenager, those decisions can affect the rest of your life. But those of us who have lived for very long, we need to realize this morning, not not totally and completely, please understand, we'll clarify, I'm not talking about, 
you know, totally and completely, but in large part, where we are in life is a result of the choices that we have made in life. There are still things that happen to all of us that we had no control over. But for the most part, where we are in life has everything to do with the choices of our past. Our choices matter. It is an amazing thing that God made us in His image in this regard that we have a free will. We have the ability to choose. And it's so important how we choose. You know, there's some key decisions in life that will determine much about your future. I mean, the first and most obvious is the decision to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you prayed a little prayer one day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some superficial thing, you know, playing church. I'm talking about where you turn your life over, where you trust Him so much that you're willing to give Him your life. That kind of faith and trust. And when you do that, I will tell you, that is the biggest decision you will ever make. It will affect every part of your life, and it will affect your eternity. Oh, it's so important. The second biggest decision that you're ever going to make in your life is whether or not and who you marry. Oh, it's big. It'll affect your finances. Will it ever? It'll affect where you live and what you do. It'll affect every part of your happiness. I got to tell you, there's a lot of miserable people because of who they married. By the grace of God, somehow, I did really well. And I, I just, you know, my wife is such a blessing to me every day. She's praying for me. She's behind me. She supports me. She helps me. I mean, You know, we have the greatest pastor's wife in the world, and that makes up for a whole lot of me. (laughs) That is absolute truth. By the grace of God. See, I I don't want to be prideful and say, hey, I know how to pick them, buddy. But we need to realize how important a decision like that is and how much it's going to impact all the rest of your life. And I want to tell you something. Where you work, the vocation that you choose, God cares about that. Whether or not you go to college, I don't know. What does God want? See, all of those kinds of things, the big decisions in life, God absolutely cares. He has a plan for your life, and you need wisdom, the wisdom from God, so that you can choose right. Whether or not you're going to have kids, whether or not you're going to go to school, your involvement in ministry, where you live, buying a house, even buying a car, all kinds of things involving relationships. I'm just saying these things are important and we need God's wisdom to choose rightly. One older pastor said, you don't need a word of knowledge to tell people how their lives will turn out. You can tell just by looking at the choices that they make. Oh, it is so true. You can tell where they're headed. 
He goes on to say, but people will want you to pray for different results than their decisions dictate. I mean, they're making the wrong choices, but they want you to pray that everything will turn out all right anyway. Did God love Adam and Eve? Does he love you? Yes, but if you make foolish choices, it's going to bring you a world of hurt and misery. This is not a game. This is real life. And it matters how you choose. You see, that deception is still there from the enemy, always trying to get people down the wrong path, headed the wrong way. One of the deceptions that comes is, with foolish decisions is that many times, you see, we don't see immediate results or consequences from bad choices. But the Bible says that we will reap what we sow. And you see, if we sow good seed, there's a harvest that's coming. It's not overnight. No, sometimes it's down the road. That's the way seed and harvest work. There's a seed that's planted and after a while there's a harvest that comes in. And it's that way with bad seed too. A lot of time you don't see an immediate result. And so people think, oh, it doesn't matter that I'm making these wrong choices. I'm doing, heading the wrong way. Yes, it does. There will come a day when that harvest comes in. Don't be deceived. You know, all of us have regrets on some level, thank God for His mercy and His grace. I tell you, all of us who have lived very long, we've made some choices that, well, if we, if we got a do-over, we sure would take it, right? I mean, if you had the opportunity to go back, you would do some things differently. Maybe there's a job that you shouldn't have taken. Maybe there's a job you shouldn't have quit relationships you shouldn't have gotten involved in. Maybe there's some dates you shouldn't have gone on. Here's the amazing thing is that it seems like a lot of time people just continue to make the same kinds of mistakes again and again and again. I mean, some people struggle with their finances for their whole life. They don't realize that something needs to change in their decision process. They just keep making decisions the same way they always have, and they end up with the same mess, never really having a place of financial freedom. Some people, they make the wrong choices about relationships. Let me just spit this out real clearly. I mean, if, if you've already picked the wrong guy twice, and you're working on a third one, maybe you need to rethink your decision process. Well, that's good. See, a lot of, oh, I don't know why. There's just not any good guys out there. You need to change your decision process. Now, that applies in a lot of areas of our life. If you're getting the same kind of results again and again and again, maybe you need to change your decision process. And that's what I mainly want to focus on today is how do we make wise choices? First, choose intentionally. We seldom choose right by accident or default, see? You have to choose intentionally. A lot of people just kind of take life each moment as it comes. They never plan. They don't 
choose wisely because they're just stumbling through life, just as it happens. And usually their life ends up being what a lot of people say as well, it's a product of their environment. And they're wondering, how did I get here? you got to choose intentionally if you want to get to a good place. Nobody plans to fail or chooses trouble intentionally, but often it's poor planning or no planning that gets you there. Nobody plans on being broke at 40. There's never ever one person that said, you know what, by the time I'm 40 years old, I want to be flat broke. I mean, bankrupt if I can. And yet it happens a lot because they didn't plan to do otherwise. you got to plan intentionally. You need to be wise and proactive about your choices. can't live a haphazard life and expect things to just turn out good. Oh, you got to be intentional, purposeful about your choices. That's the beginning of making wise choices as you do it intentionally, deliberately, about especially about the things that are going to affect the direction of your life. You know, it's one of the most common ways that people make bad choices is just kind of by default. They never really made a decision. They just let life happen to them as though they had no control. We have a free will. We ought to use it. Choose intentionally. Your life isn't an accident. God has a plan for your life. So don't live like it doesn't matter. It's important to God. You make it count. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. See, we don't live a haphazard life. No, we choose carefully. Be very careful. Verse 16, he says, making the most of every opportunity. Every one of us has opportunities to succeed, to achieve, to be who and what God wants us to be. But a lot of the time we miss just because we didn't choose wisely, we didn't choose intentionally. you got to seize those opportunities that God has for you. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what it said. How do you do that? Choose intentionally. Second, think through to the end results and consequences of this decision. See? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, where will this choice lead? Where will this road take me? This principle has really helped me through the years a lot of the time. I look down the road. Now, if I go this way, what is this going to look like? What is this going to be like? Is this, the, is this going to make me happy? Is this something that's really going to be good? Is this, is this something that's going to help me in living for God and serving God? You see, we got to look at those things and answer, how, where's this going? you got to look past just the moment, just this right here in front of me, but what are going to be the consequences of this decision? I'm going to tell you, wisdom will keep you out of trouble. It'll help you avoid danger. It'll help you make the right decisions. But we got to be willing to look down the road. And you see, this what I'm talking about right now is kind of a rare thing because being impulsive has been glamorized by Hollywood. You know, you just, you just fly by the seat of your pants all the time. It's a cool, it's the cool thing to just, you know, don't plan and don't, don't have, you know, 
don't look down the road, how's this going to turn out? But if we're wise, we think things through. You don't just act on a whim. I'm going to get some raised eyebrows here, but Jesus didn't ask people, ask people to follow him impulsively. He didn't beg anybody. He didn't say, oh, come on, come on, please, please. No, he said things like, if anybody's going to follow me, he needs to count the cost. If you want to be my disciple, you need to count the cost. What's he talking about? He's saying, you need to look down the road. You need to decide, is this really what I want? What's this going to cost? And here's a principle that you can apply in your decision-making process. You're trying to look down the road, count the cost. So you're talking about maybe you're going to go back to school. What's that going to cost? Well, it's going to cost you some money, but it's going to cost more than that. And you need to consider the cost. You're going to get a second job? You better count the cost. You say, oh, but going to make more money. That's great. You need to count the cost. You need to count the cost on your family, on your relationships. You need to count the cost on your, maybe even on your health. Because of the extra demand it'll put on you. Count the cost. What is going to be the cost of your involvement in ministry? Hear me now. I didn't say you shouldn't get a second job. I mowed yards for a lot of years, especially when I was young. But what I'm saying to you is, you need to count the cost. You need to think about it. You need to look down the road what this is going to be like. And don't take it for granted. Because what seems like a small decision can start you down a path. And that takes us to the next point. Third, realize little choices matter. Most of us try to make the right choice when it comes to the big decisions. And how is it then that so often we find ourselves in a huge mess? Most of us, this is where we really miss it. It is in the daily decisions, the little decisions that seem like no big deal at the time. They seem so inconsequential. And yet, over time, they prove to be a huge factor in the outcome of our life. See, what seems like a little decision, many times it starts us down a path in one direction. The alcoholic... Every single one of them started with the first drink. There was a first. Now, for some, there might have been 10 that followed the first that day or that night. But every single alcoholic, there was a, what they thought at the time wasn't a big deal. Just one little decision. In fact, Every person that's addicted to tobacco, that was the first time. You see, there's so many things in life that are a path that we started just with what we thought was an inconsequential little decision, no big deal. But did it ever turn into a big deal? Let me tell you how a lot of people ended up marrying the wrong person. Hey, we're just going for coffee. Hey, let's just have lunch together. 
not really the kind of person you should marry. It started with just a little thing. I'm preaching really good right now. Y'all are really quiet. But you see, these little choices that we make are huge. Every porn addict started with one website. Not a big deal. It's just one party. It's just one lottery ticket. It's just one Sunday. But where will it lead? Wrong choices, however small they may seem, they set in motion bigger mistakes. Now, little choices also work for our good. I have heard several people say things like this, and one couple said it exactly this way. They said, we, we decided we would try a small group. It's not the biggest decision you're ever going to make in life. And they said, we'll, we decided we're going to try a small group, and we made the best friends we've ever had. See, just a little decision, for good or bad, it can take you somewhere. You need to realize that it can set things in motion. It can take us down a path that leads somewhere good or somewhere harmful. But here's the other thing that we need to realize about little decisions. One decision sometimes seems to not have much of an impact. But over time, a whole bunch of little decisions end up having a big impact. One after another, you keep adding on, and it turns out to be a big thing. It's the accumulation of a lot of little decisions over time, and it makes a big impact on your life. See, nobody ever said, I just want to drift away from God to where I never go to church and I hardly ever pray and still hope my name's written on the roll. Nobody ever said that. How does that happen? It's seldom that somebody just says, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Let me tell you how they got there. One little decision at a time. They missed church. It wasn't any big deal. They missed again. They missed again. They didn't pray that morning. They didn't read their Bible. It's just on and on and on. One little decision at a time until finally they find themselves in a place where one or two things happens. They either say, how'd they get here? Or they say, I don't care. Little decisions can have big impact. In fact, some of the time, what looked like a big decision was made, it really just happened with a whole bunch of little decisions. It wasn't a big choice that they made. I mean, nobody, nobody chose to be overweight and out of shape. Let me tell you how I got this extra 25. Just a little decision at a time. That's right. Let me tell you how I get rid of it. One little decision at a time. Okay. Y'all are way too quiet. <laughs> Nobody chose to be broke. Nobody wants their marriage to end a divorce. But so often these things happen just one little decision at a time. We're going to go to Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. He says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, 
all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. I doubt very seriously that this man said, you know what, I want to have a worthless vineyard. I want, to, I want to be broke. I want to have poverty in my life. But this lazy man failed to make the right choices. You know, the first time that he didn't pull the weeds or, you know, he didn't water or take care of it, it maybe it just seemed like a little thing. And another and another and another. And you see, this is what happens with a lot of people. And, but you'll notice here, he says, your poverty is going to come like a prowler. You see, it's a little thing and a little thing and a little thing. It doesn't seem like any big deal, but all of a sudden, the prowler comes. Right. Now, you know, there's obvious financial implication in this passage, but what if your spiritual life is like a vineyard? And you don't really do the things. You don't make those little choices that you should be making. And you neglect your prayer time, it's not a big deal. It's just one time. And you don't make time to read your Bible. You don't have a devotional time. You don't go to church every Sunday. I mean, you're not a fanatic. I am, by the way. Absolute. It's just one Sunday, no big deal. But over time, you see... These things begin to add up and add up and add up. And you'll find yourself in a place spiritually that you never planned on being. And it just happened a bunch of little decisions at a time. But what if you make the decision to have a few moments of prayer every morning? To have a little bit of time in the Word every day? And you decide that you're going to be committed and going to church and getting involved and going to a small group and becoming involved in some area of ministry. I want to tell you, it's going to impact your spiritual life. In fact, let me just, let me just put it this way. Where do you want to be spiritually a year from now? You see, you can come down here and you can, you can have a few moments in sincerity where you cry out to God and shed some tears and, and you mean it. You really, really mean it. But you walk out those doors and you don't change anything and you go right on with the same old habits. Where are you going to be a year from now? So much of it has to do with the little decisions that you make. Let me just encourage you with this. We're about to pick up speed. Ready? Fourth, avoid quick decisions whenever possible. Make decisions in advance whenever you can because I want to tell you some of life's most difficult choices ought to be made in advance. I mean, not when you're in a crisis situation, when you're all swept away with emotion and you feel pressured. You avoid the rush. It's better to make decisions when there's no pressure on you when possible. Now, I'm going to explain, but let me read this proverb to you. Proverbs 11:3. The integrity of the up, upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Now, notice this. The integrity of the upright will guide them. 
You see, it is our integrity, it is our values, it is those things that we have decided that we're not going to change, we won't, we just won't budge. We've made up our mind. The integrity of the upright will guide them. There's going to be choices that come in life that you've already decided how you're going to handle that choice. You're not going to handle it in the heat of the moment. When emotion is there, you've already decided. You have guidelines for key areas of your life. Now, let me just give you a couple of examples. You need to make up your mind in advance if you're going to use a credit card, and how it's going to be used. Some people can't handle having a credit card. And some people rack up credit card debt that will keep them in financial bondage literally for decades. You see, for some people, they need to just make a hard, fast decision, say, you know what, I'm not ever doing that. And for some people, maybe it's okay for you to say, you know what, I'm going to use a credit card for convenience, but there will never be a day that I pay interest on a credit card. I'll pay it off at the end of every single month. But you need to make that decision ahead of time. You need to be wise about it and not wait until, oh, I really want to buy this, so I'm just going to pay it out. I made a decision a long, long, long time ago when I was 18 years old and I turned my life over to God. I made a decision to go to church. And it doesn't matter if I'm a full-time pastor or not. It makes no difference. It has no bearing on whether or not I go to church. It is a value. It is something I have predetermined. I go to worship the Lord no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what. what. We've been in a place where we couldn't find a decent church. Anybody there? I hope you don't feel that way this morning. But I just want to tell you, we win anyway. And I made a decision when I was 18 years old that I was going to tithe. I don't have to... Oh, God, do you want me to tithe? I pray about giving, but I don't have to ask God. It's not a big decision I'm going to make. I've already decided it is a value for me. And I'm telling you that you need to have some values in your life that predetermine what your decision is going to be in that situation. See, some of you have been going out with the wrong kind of people. You need to have some values about your life that you have already decided the kind of person that you're going to be willing to date. Not when, ooh, wow, he's hot. Wow, she's hot. That's it. I'm ready. Let's go out. No, you've got some values about yourself. And instead, you're saying like, well, they go to church and they love Jesus. Man, hey, this might be somebody. You got some values. And if you're going to date, I just got to tell you, you need to have some values. You need to make some choices ahead of time about the the kinds of things that you do on a date, where you go, what you do. So many people, that that area of their life is, is a minefield and it just brings all kinds of heartache and trouble into their life. And so much of it is because they have no predetermined values. You need to decide ahead of time when you can, not when you're in the emotion of the moment.
Well, she invited him in. You need to have some values. You need to have some things you've already decided. Now, I'm not trying to push my values on anybody. I'm just trying to get you to have some. But you see, you're going to go, you're going to, go to a family thing, or maybe it's a, a wedding reception, and they're having a little champagne, and there you are in the moment. Are you going you to tilt the glass to go along under that peer pressure? Or have you already decided, I don't drink? You need to have some values where you don't decide things in the heat of the moment when the pressure's on. You've already decided. Now, I understand there's some things in life that you can't pre-decide. I mean, there's always going to be things that come up. But I just got to say one more time, when you can, you need to wait. You need to be wise and not put yourself in that place where where you're making a decision just based on emotion in that moment. Set boundaries. You know, Daniel was a great man of integrity in the Scripture. He and his three friends were chosen to serve in the king's palace, and they were offered the king's meat and wine, and they refused it. It was just a matter of integrity for them. It was something that they had already decided. They didn't do that. They weren't going to be a part of that. We see the same principle again in Daniel. We know the story of how he's thrown into the lion's den, but why did this happen? Because Daniel had this value in his life that three times a day he prayed and gave thanks to his God. When they made a law that made it illegal, see, some people, if you want to get them to pray, you got to make a law against it. Not Daniel. He was praying and giving thanks three times a day, but when they made a law against it, he just went right on because this was a value in his life. And then when he's thrown into the lion's den, God delivers him and gets rid of his enemies. Why? Because he had values that he lived by. We need that in our life. It'll help us make the right choices. Let me just meddle this one more time, all right? You see, you, you got some values, some decisions you make ahead of time. And so I remember when I was college age and I had some good Christian friends. We hung out together all the time. And that was wonderful one night. They said, hey, let's go to a movie. We get to the movie. It's R-rated. And I said, uh-uh. I'm not going. Well, the rest of the story is they said, well, you know, we're all together. I was like, well, let's pray about it. We joined hands right, right outside the movie theater. We said, Lord, help us to know if this is really something that would please you that you want us to do. We got done praying. Everybody went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm just telling you, though, you need to have some values about your life. Right. Things that you've already decided ahead of time when you can. Don't just go with the flow. But when you can, you decide ahead of time. And when you can't, you wait. You pray, you seek counsel when you can, see, instead of just making a split-second decision. Fourth, excuse me, fifth, put emotions into perspective. A lot of dumb decisions are made because of an emotional moment. We get upset about something. Maybe we got excited about something. But this is one of the greatest pitfalls for people making decisions is that you know, people in our country, it's just all the rage. You know, they say, you are what you feel. And they let their emotions run their life. I mean, you, you can see the fruit of this in road rage. People get all bent out of shape in a moment and in a second, and man, it messes up their life. Don't let emotions run your life. 
Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. See, we ought to try to avoid making decisions when we're real emotional. If you're emotional about a decision, you know what, if you can, you need to just put that decision off. And I realize that there's times when we have to make an emotionally charged decision, but you need to realize how that that emotion can cloud your judgment and your decision process. So that's one of those times, you know, when you feel really emotional and you need to make a decision, you need to seek godly counsel from somebody that can look at your situation without being involved in the emotion of it and help you to lay that aside and do what's right. Now, again, you know, Hollywood would say, oh no, you just go with your heart. Now, if you're talking about your spirit, that's a totally different thing. And that's not at all what they're talking about. They're talking about your feelings. Just go with your heart. You know, the heart's always right. Just go with your heart. Do we believe what Hollywood says or do we believe what the Bible says? Hollywood says, oh, just go with your heart. Just go with your heart. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. How many of you believe it? He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. You don't just go with how you feel. No, you, you walk wisely. You're looking to God. You're trusting God, not trusting your own heart. When you're all emotional, that's when you go by your convictions. That's when you pray and wait. That's when you seek counsel from somebody else. But you don't allow your emotions to dictate to you and determine your decisions. Sixth, you need to know when you don't know. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 8, 2, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Here's the point of that verse is that we, we need to be careful of thinking we know everything. We need to always realize there are situations that come up that we don't just automatically know. We need to seek God's wisdom. We need to seek godly counsel sometimes. But there are areas where we need expertise that we don't have. See, all of us have areas where we lack experience or education or knowledge, and we need to seek wisdom from those who do. Wise people know when they don't know. And don't be afraid to ask somebody who does. Somebody that's maybe a little older, somebody that's been through some things, somebody that's maybe a more spiritual person. And so when you don't know, it's good to ask for help. You know, sometimes it's good to get help with a tax return. And guess what? It might cost you some money. Well, it might cost you a whole lot more money if you don't. See, sometimes you need legal advice. Sometimes you need to talk to an attorney. Now, this past week, I was working on something electrical, and I was like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I've done a little just about everything, but sometimes I don't know. So, you know what I did? I stopped, and I called somebody. I called a friend. I said, hey, do you think I could do this? They said, well, I wouldn't. It'll save you some problems. It'll save you some trouble if you know when you don't know. 
And I'm going to tell you, there's more times that we would acknowledge if we just slow down and think about it. Do I know or should I ask for some wisdom? Seventh, last, what does the Lord want? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What does the Lord want? That is the most important thing. What does God want me to do? What would please the Lord in this situation? I want to tell you, that is always the wise thing to do. And this one principle, it trumps all of the others. This is the most important thing. What does God want? What would please the Lord in my life in this big decision? But even in those little ones that sometimes we think don't matter, they're inconsequential, we just need to say, Lord, what do you want? What would please you? There is a heart issue that has to be settled before that prayer matters at all. And that is this, that you have to do what I said early in the message. You have to come to the place where you trust him enough to turn your life over to him. And truly let him be your Lord, no matter what he asks of you. Because until you do that, you will always end up in the key moments of your life doing it your way. Somehow you'll justify, you'll rationalize, and you'll end up doing it your way. So before you can sincerely pray, Lord, what do you want? What would please you? you got to be willing to turn your life over to the Lord. And once you've done that, you see then when you read the Scripture, it's so full of the wisdom of God. It's so full of the will of God. I call it the written will of God because it just, verse after verse, so much of it tells us what God wants. And when you read it, it'll be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path as you seek to do what the Lord wants. You see, in those instances, maybe where you don't see clear direction in the Scripture, but you're praying and you're asking God for wisdom and you say, Lord, what would please you? The Holy Spirit will give you that wisdom to know what would please the Lord and what you need to do. Ephesians 5.10 puts it this way, find out what pleases the Lord. Oh, such a powerful principle. This one principle can make so many decisions in life so much simpler and clearer. I didn't say easy. I said simpler and clearer. Because so often, if we're sincere, we just say, Lord, what would please you? What would please you? I want to tell you, that affects everything. You know, I stumbled through a lot of things this morning about money and all kinds of moral issues and drinking and dating and everything else. It's not a matter of what can I get away with. That's the way the world thinks. That's the way backslidden, lukewarm Christians think. What can I get away with? Where's the line? No, instead, it's what would please you? What would please you in my life? Not what can I get away with? What would please you? What do you want, Lord? I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray and like for our prayer partners to come.